I think what's really challenging our schools right now is kind of wrestling with telework and wrestling with a five-day work week where you have to be in the same space with your professional colleagues or with your students. I think schools are really wrestling with that. Your next best idea, it's going to come from being among more than a thousand people in a national, international community who have walked in your shoes, maybe have, have faced that challenge, can offer you a solution um, or have an idea that you think, gosh, that would be so great at my school. As we turn our energy to 2024, we are learning what it takes to move our institutions forward and take better care of our faculty, staff, and students. Independent school leaders are asking this core question. Looking back on these last three years, what can we sustain with intentionality? NBOA President and CEO Jeff Shields joins Howard Teibel in preparation for the association's 2024 NBOA Annual Meeting and Business Solutions Showcase on February 25th through 28th in Atlanta, Georgia. Jeff, as a longtime friend of the podcast, discusses what's top of mind for business officers and shares what attendees can expect when attending this transformational three-day conference in February. The two also discuss Howard's deep dive session at the annual meeting, focused on building trust and authentic connections across your school that directly impact employee retention. And now, Howard Teibel and NBOA president and CEO, Jeff Shields. Thank you, Pete. Jeff. Howard. How long has it been? I don't think it's been that long. But we, you know, but we stay in touch all the time. We're, we're always talking. We do. We yeah. stay in touch throughout the year. You're such an important part of the MBOA friends and family uh, with your work with the Leadership Academy and your great sessions at annual meeting that you've been doing for years now. So we do. I'm, I'm grateful that we stay connected throughout the year. But I always love joining your podcast. I didn't prepare something so nice as that to say about you. <laughs> to say about me? I just I didn't have it prepared. That was so good. Why don't you tell the story about when I was at Nakubo at the end of a long day, you were facilitating some kind of change management issue and we went to a bar called stands which is actually infamous right you off still of, remember the bar yeah stands because you go down the stairs it's famous it's still there at mcpherson square and i think we talked about life in the future and i think it was at that moment i think you knew that i wanted to be a ceo someplace and then lo and behold mboa yeah there was a lot of hugging and crying and that i remember <laughs> i don't remember that i just remember i was pretty determined i was ready for my next chapter and you were very supportive and then mboa opened yeah. a, a new door for me and it's been my professional home for over 13 years can you believe it we are going to talk about your upcoming annual meeting in Atlanta. Yes. What would you say schools have discovered or have opened up? I think it's been really interesting. I just presented last week with my very good friend and colleague, Heather Hurl, who leads the Enrollment Management Association. And the data tells us that independent schools are coming out of the pandemic whatever version of the pandemic you want to kind of say in your timeline, on a positive trajectory. Our enrollments are going up. They were not moving in that direction prior to the pandemic. Our net tuition revenues are moving in the same direction. I think the one 
challenge that we have, and this was the topic of the seminar that we were doing for the EMA MBOA Financial Aid Symposium, was that we're wrestling with financial aid, and we were joking around about intention. Our intention with financial aid is not showing up in the numbers. It's not showing up in the socioeconomic diversity of the students, and it's not showing up in the racial or ethnic diversity of the students. So what are we doing? What are we doing? If we're not benefiting the highest need students and families, or we're not intentionally diversifying our, our student communities, our learning communities, which we all say every independent school to a person in MBOA has a commitment to DE&I, then what are we doing? And I, I just think it, it's not on purpose, but we have to revisit that because we put a lot of time and energy and dollars into financial aid, and it's not showing up. It's not having the impact. It's a heavy lift to put aside dollars for financial aid, but it's a relatively straightforward act. I think there are other aspects to this that are a heavier lift. How are we branding? Where are we going to look for students? It always reminds me when I hear strategies that are not fully successful, that in some cases it's because we're trying to get at this without having to do the harder thing or explore are we telling our story effectively? Oh my gosh. By storytelling, I'm discovering more than ever today, Jeff, to pierce the social media, to pierce all of the noise. We've got to become better storytellers. That is so fascinating because my my last column in Net Assets magazine was telling our financial aid story. And we have to tell it better because we have to communicate to the audiences we want to attract, we want to connect with. We have to tell them it's available. I think it's kind of a secret that you have to know to know, right? So you already have to have pierced the independent school world in some way to know that these resources may even be available to you and your family. What are you not seeing in the education system, you know, having a child go through you know, the last 12 years of, of education. And by the way, pretend like no one's listening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll tell you this. <laughs> and again, I think it's important for me to say that my daughter, uh, although she was in an independent school for nine years from kindergarten through eighth grade, she decided to go to high school at a public high school. Um, and that was, you know, you have to listen to your kid. And frankly, she's thrived there. It was the right decision for her uh, and it was the right decision for our family. Uh, but so she is in a public high school. I would say what I observed there is kind of what I feared throughout the pandemic. I, I don't think, I think our schools are still wrestling with it more, but it's that snapback. It's like the pandemic never happened, right? Let's forget about it. It was bad. Now let's just go back and we're gonna, we're just gonna move forward like we always have. So that's, that's what I would observe at her public high school, which has a lot of really great things going for it. You know, they're big into athletics. COVID was really rough on athletics. If you were a big athletic school, COVID was really rough on athletics. And, and COVID was rough on everything, frankly, but especially athletics. So I think, I think I understand that. I would ask my independent school colleagues is, are they observing the same thing? Or what lessons have they taken from the pandemic that have survived past the pandemic. 
what can they point to that's forever different? Now, I do think there's been a much broader brace of online learning. I think it's not as scary because I think so many faculty did it. And I think they understand it. I think the definition around online learning is still pretty broad. But um, I think there's that, although I think there can be more. I think what's really challenging our schools right now is kind of wrestling with telework and wrestling with a five-day work week where you have to be in the same space with your professional colleagues or with your students. I think schools are really wrestling with that because the workforce is moving beyond that. The, the, the workforce and the next generation. I mean, it's tough on us now. Imagine the next generation and how they're going to feel about their relationship with work and, and how and what space they need to be in to contribute professionally in addition to the other things they want, family and all the other things. So, you know, this is a really big conversation because, uh, one aspect of what you're talking about is, you know, okay, let's move on <laughs> and not recognizing not just for our students, but for our administrators, for our teachers, for our leadership uh, at the most senior level, that there has been a certain kind of trauma that some of us have found a way to sort of tuck away. And, and I say this having led a program at the Kamehameha schools where they laid out and had a very candid conversation about the trauma that we need to help each other go through. So that's one big conversation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this uh, in the session I'm going to be doing at the conference that you know is around connection. But here's one thing I'll say to build on this for, for your independent school leaders around uh, the workplace. And it came out of a, I led the, a, a full day program for the University of Colorado's uh, Anschutz Medical Campus for the chancellor and all their leadership team, all their deans, the future of work. The conversation was not about how do we manage hybrid. The conversation was about community. And the chancellor was very clear that for him, what he has discovered is we have lost community in the way that people have self-selected, understandably, to be working as frequently as they are at home. I think we have to learn how to take care of people. Well, I love elevating it. I love elevating it. And I think that is a big issue, which is why I was so pleased you'll be talking about that Tuesday afternoon at the meeting in one of our deep dive sessions. So that's really that's really exciting. And I will tell you, again, my daughter's 17. She's going to be 18 in March, but she doesn't understand. She can't make sense of her freshman year. First of all, it's the only high school experience she had. So she can't compare it to a different high school experience. Her high school experience started in COVID. Her freshman year at a new school was in COVID. Now for her, that kind of helped in a way. It helped her with the transition because everyone was going through it. You know, everyone went through that at the same time. So she wasn't like this new kid showing up in this community where everyone else knew everyone. It was really, in a way, everyone was so disconnected. She, she somewhat benefited from it. But you know what? That's an interesting conversation I could have with her. I don't know how she makes sense of it. Other than it's very clear in her head as she thinks about her high school experience that her first year was during the pandemic and how different that was than 10th, 11th, and 12th grades. The 2024 NBOA Annual Meeting and Business Solutions Showcase. That's right. In Atlanta, Marriott Marquis, rooted in excellence, growing together. 
Now, let's start with something. You have some exciting news that we cannot talk about today. We cannot. We have some <laughs> exciting news that we will not talk about today. I want you to tease people to say, I got to be there. It involves you, Howard. It does. And it involves me. And it involves us. Now I'm scared. You should be. And it involves us really doing what you and I like to do. We like to talk about leadership. We like to talk about change. We like to talk about innovation. I don't know if people fully understand how much you have worked with the business side of education and how long you've worked with those individuals who've worked on the business side of both higher ed and independent schools. I think there's an opportunity to talk about it more. I think just visiting with you once a year on your podcast isn't enough for me. Well, I'm excited too, Jeff, because this is about deepening our partnership. Elevator pitch, before we get into you could sharing some of who's going to be there and what's going to be happening at the meeting, why is coming to the annual meeting important? You've done this for so many years now. If you were to bottom line it, why is being there important, especially now? Because I don't think your next best idea is going to come from across your campus or within your school building. I don't think your next, as a business officer, as an HR professional, as a controller, as a facilities person, as someone that works in business finance or operations at an independent school, your next best idea, it's not going to come from walking down the hallway at your own school. It's going to come from being among more than a thousand people in a national, international community who have walked in your shoes, maybe have, have faced that challenge, can offer you a solution um, or have an idea that you think, gosh, that would be so great at my school. That's what the investment is. That's what the investment is. Being with people who think like you, talk like you, and can support you and your school. And, and it just doesn't happen at your school. You know, I use this example a lot, Howard. The science teacher can walk down the hallway and talk to another science teacher every day of the week. A business officer can't. The CFO can't walk down the hallway and talk to another CFO. It's just as simple as that. This is about getting outside of the bubble that every single one of the attendees is in, in their, in their institution. And in a bubble, you cannot see what's happening outside of your world. Even if you're reading, you know, wonderful things like Net Assets magazine, that's huge. But socially being able to be with others who are struggling with the same issues, who have incredible ideas to do things that you didn't consider, even if you take away one idea, we have to get our leaders to be courageous. And this is also a way to get some greater resolve to be courageous, to, to do things that you know are the right things to do, but it might not be entirely popular at your institution. I agree. And what did we just talk about, Howard? Connectedness. Connectedness and community. I feel really proud of how that is palpable at the MBOA annual meeting. I think community happens as soon as two business officers from across the country, around the world from each other, will step into that lobby or walk into that registration area. And that's community happens. And, and we work really hard behind the scenes to cultivate that because not only do we want to make sure that people are able to make connections easily and frequently, but we also want to celebrate the community. We want to celebrate the work that these individuals do. And again, because 
they're not walking around their school saying, where's my, where's my attaboy? Where's my girl?" You know, they're not walking around the school looking for that. But, but together in the confines of this amazing space that we create, we can celebrate this great work that these individuals choose to do. They could be a CFO anywhere. They could be an HR professional anywhere. They could be an accountant anywhere. They choose to do it in an educational environment. They choose to do it at an independent school. And I think that's interesting. And so when you talk about, um, one of our speakers is going to talk about purpose and and, and connecting with your purpose, I think whether they intellectually know it or not, that's why they do what they do because it connects with a larger purpose of educating young people of a mission oriented organization. I think whether they say it out loud or not, I think that's what's present in, in these, in these individuals. Let's, let's continue with this. So tell us uh, about your keynote speakers at the meeting this year. You got Sean Conungo, Bertie Sperry, and Brett Jacobson. Yeah, very different individuals. So uh, Sean, I spoke to because I interviewed him for the magazine, and he's just a spark plug. And, you know, I think it's so important that you start a meeting and you just kind of say what we're here to do. And he's a disruptor. He's going to talk about disruption within organizations. He has a track record of doing it. He works with organizations that have done it. And, you know, at 8.15 in the morning, he's just going to make you believe like, yes, we can do anything. When we get back to our schools, we can be champions of disruption or change because we all know deep down inherently there's things in our schools that need to change. Uh, There's a lot of conversation about our business model. It's under tremendous pressure. What are we going to do to change that? How are we going to be agents uh, of change? How are we going to lead our colleagues to a space where we can enjoy long-term financial health for our school, financial sustainability, and the like? So I think Sean is going to be a great start to that. And he wrote a book called The Bold Ones, and that just tells you everything you need to know. But I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with him. And by the way, Howard, I would say he is from a new generation of leaders and disruptors. He is not, uh, we didn't go to high school together, I'll tell you that. Sean and I were not high school classmates by a long stretch. So I think that's good for our our folks as well. And Bertice and Brett, tell us about them. Oh, Bertice is going to be great. She's the one that's going to talk about connecting with your purpose, which is what I think is so important. It also happens to be that she's a former comedian. She's a former stand-up comedian. She's going to be our keynote at our uh, leadership awards luncheon. So once we recognize some great people within our community, she's going to probably make us laugh. She may even make us feel other things, make us cry, Uh, but she's really special. So she's described as a sociologist, a comedian, and a best-selling author, Uh, but she's going to be a real treat. And then we're going to wrap things up on Wednesday morning with Brett Jacobson, and he's He's going to be the perfect person to put a button on our meeting because, number one, he's a head of school from Atlanta. Number two, his school won an innovation award from MBOA because they found a way to look at the talents of their own school, identify what they do best, and monetize it to create a non-tuition revenue stream. So they were really jazzed about the way they taught their kind of pedagogy at their school, and they turned it into a consulting 
service, and they now consult with other schools and they've created a non-tuition revenue stream. The best thing though, what I'm excited about Brett is that he calls himself a CEO. And I really like that. He's a head of school that calls himself a CEO. I think more heads of schools are starting to think of themselves as a CEO. And, and let me tell you why I think that's important and what I think it means. Because it's not just about delivering a high quality program. It's not just about delivering world-class education. You have to think of the business. You have to have the revenues to support that world-class education. You have to look at the whole entity and no business can function by just saying, well, gosh, we have a high quality product. That should be enough. It's not. It's about the whole package. It's about marketing. It's about connecting with your customers. It's about making sure you meet them where they're at. It's making sure they're satisfied as customers, uh, making sure that they become evangelists for your school and tell other people why your school is different and worth the investment, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Brett's going to be a perfect person to kind of help us wrap up the program. Uh, and he's one of Atlanta's own. So it'll be great to uh, hear from him on the last day. With all the challenges associated with finance, enrollment, advancement, just add to the list. The thing that is, to me, the special sauce is how you show up in the moment around difficult conversations, how you show up and show care when someone's not doing well, not fixing what's going on with them, but being willing to listen in a different way. A great CEO takes care of their people just like a great head takes care of their people. But the lifting of that hopefully be a wake-up call for some to say, you know what? This is a really important concept, whether we change the name you know, from head of school to CEO, but what does it mean to be a CEO? And then what does it mean for me to have a COO, somebody who can really, you know, while I'm out there raising money or I'm out there promoting the school, is running our place like a tight ship? In our deep dive, we're going to get into strategies and ways that these business officers can not only manage across and down, but also bring back some of these principles to their own heads to be able to say, we've got work to do to create not just a high-performing team, but the highest-performing team. So that's the work we're going to be doing. And it's what, I, as you know, Jeff, this is what I'm most passionate about. I've devoted... My 30 years to it. I know. It's it's so exciting. I love being in this session. I just want to say how important I think authenticity is. And for me, at least, that's how I connect the business case to DEI. Because I think DEI, the work of DEI, is not just about who's in the room and how does it look, but it's about allowing everyone to show up as their most authentic self. Because we know when they do that, they do their best work right? If everyone can be their most authentic self, they can do their best work in that space. That's why I think it's so important for leaders to first show up that way. And I couldn't help but reflect, Howard, about how fortunate I feel to be at MBOA because I don't think I was truly my authentic self as a leader until I sat in this chair at MBOA because the environment, I think it was because how young the organization was, but the environment allowed me to be. I mean, the the environment allowed me to. And and I feel like when I got here, I had to show up and I had to I had to use everything I had, right? I had to use my whole toolkit. 
that's my reflection, but I think that's so important for every individual, no matter what role they play within a school, within an association like MBOA or within any organization, that authenticity, because that's where you do your best work. And that's where you want to do your work, right? That's a place where you want to work. I want to be there. I want to show up every day because they let me show up every day. As we move towards closure on this conversation. We're done already? This is unbelievable. We can go for another three hours. I'm no, happy we, to. No, we can't. You and no, I, we can't, we can actually. do it. That's the scary part. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Okay. How would you say the people around you professionally say that you have grown the most? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, here's, here's what I'll say about that. And I don't know if they would say this, but I, th- I think it's true. But I will get to what I think they would say. I inherently think I'm a better listener. And it's very liberating. I would tell this to any leader, manager out there. It's very liberating to not walk into a room and think you have to come up with the, with the answer or to think you have the best answer. It's really great to walk into a room and create the context of what the issue is and allow that answer to emerge, whether it's from you, whether it's from other people, however it happens. I, so I think I'm a better listener because I somehow I've released having to have the best idea or having to have the idea or having to solve the problem. I've released that in this tenure and, and that feels really good. It's liberating. It's liberating, it's empowering and I'm a better listener because you have to listen to hear it, right? You have to, I know, I know a good idea when I hear one. I will say I've always had that. I know a good idea when I, when I hear one. And um, so I think that's one. I think the other thing is that they would say is um, I've, I've calmed down. I've calmed down a good bit. <laughs> I don't snap. I've calmed down in the way that I don't snap my pencil. I don't sweat the small stuff the way I used to. Like I used to in the beginning, like, you know, you know, it was high stakes, right? We, everything felt very high stakes. I was a new CEO. We were a young organization. We didn't have a lot of money. I didn't want it to fail because everyone had worked so hard to get it to where it got, but I knew it, I knew it wasn't built to last unless we changed some things. And so I would say I was wound a little tight and I would snap my pencil over things, some that mattered, most that didn't. And I think I've learned not to do that. I think I've learned to just take a breath and say, okay, you know, that one didn't go exactly the way we wanted to, but We'll figure it out. We'll get it. We'll get it done. We'll do it better the next time. And I think, and that's probably, I don't know. I, I, that's what I think my staff would say that though. I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore that would, that, you know, they're walking on eggshells around because I. This brings me back to sitting at the, you know, <laughs> on bar stools with you. Yeah. I was well tight. I was well tight. I was, I was, um, I was ready. You know, I was baked and ready, Howard. So I was probably. I was like a caged animal absolutely ready. <laughs> you know, when I was talking to you and I wanted so much, but yeah, that was, a, that was a long time ago. So yeah, but no, I feel that. Well, listen, I want to, I want to thank you for including me the way you have over the years. It has been uh, truly, and, and I appreciate how much you've gotten value, but I got to tell you, uh, I am inspired when I'm, when I'm at your annual meeting. Uh, and I, and I encourage anybody who's listening to this, to especially if you've never been to one, if, if to, to come to this program, and we will also put the link on uh, where you can um, 
register. You're going to be promoting this too. So I'm just very excited that we're going to be together again in Atlanta. I am too. And it's the first time the MBOA annual meeting has been in Atlanta, which is a, a tremendous independent school city. The Southeast region, uh, the home where our regional uh, friends, Misbo, uh, resides. It's a great region of the country. It's a vibrant independent school city. And so I'm really glad to bring MBOA there for the first time. It's long overdue and it's going to be a great, great meeting. All right, sir. We will see each other very soon. Thank you for this time. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Howard.